you can see where someone builds trust if you're looking for it. You can see, are they trying to build a relationship with you? Are they trying to ask you about you as a person? Are they willing to share about themselves as a person? Or do they really want to like just get to the task, get to the bottom line? So like by understanding which way that is, then that means that's the, the, the lane that you need to pick. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. In this week's episode, we're tackling a topic called emotional intelligence. Now, you may ask, what exactly is emotional intelligence? Well, emotional intelligence is that skill of understanding and controlling your feelings, as well as understanding how others are feeling. In corporate America, it's not just about being good at your job, but also about understanding how everyone is feeling and treating them kindly. Let's introduce our amazing guest for today. Joining us is John Little, a true expert in the field of emotional intelligence and leadership. John is the founder of the Winner's Edge Coaching, an organization that specializes in executive level coaching and leadership development. This week, we'll be exploring what emotional intelligence is and the significance of it for adults. But wait, there's more to come. Be sure to stay tuned for part two of this episode, airing next week. If you're a fan of our podcast, you're going to love the Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. Each week alongside our podcast episodes, we release captivating animated teasers that capture the essence of every conversation. To check out this animated series, head over to the show description, where you'll find a direct link waiting for you. Welcome back to Adulting 101 with Cast Me Bias. So, John, first of all, welcome to Adulting 101 with Cast Me Bias. As far as emotional intelligence, for those who don't really know what that is, Would you be able to define what emotional intelligence is and why it is important in adulthood? A lot of things that we hear are based in IQ, the intelligence quotient, right? And so when we hear about IQ, we hear about how smart someone allegedly is. IQ can be measured through testing, through evaluations. IQ is, it's important, you know, you do need to be able to have some level of intelligence to navigate through life. But what emotional intelligence is, it's what is your ability, what is your level in being able to navigate through the emotional interactions that you have with people on an everyday basis? Because emotional intelligence really is the combination of your self-awareness, which then leads to your ability to have self-control and then how that is perceived by the outside world and how you then can understand others through social awareness. You recognize the things that are special and unique to you, and then you also recognize what's special and unique to others. If you're aware of some of the things that are important to them, then you can adjust and adapt your behaviors to meet them where they are, to meet what their needs are, to be able to connect with them in a way that they feel comfortable being themselves and they're able to get their needs met. 
anytime that you have interactions with someone else, having a high level of emotional intelligence is going to help you navigate through those interactions much easier. So the better that you are at emotional intelligence, the better likelihood that you'll have of being successful in the things that you'll do, both in your personal life and, of course, in your professional life as well. The topic of emotional intelligence comes up a lot, especially when it comes to working within the workforce. So I know that within college and universities, what have you, there's a lot of focus on the point of, oh, well, I have to have a certain level of education in order to get ahead, in order to move forward once I get out there into the workforce. But it's a completely different thing once you get into the workforce as things are constantly changing. And that includes working with different types of technology, different types of tools, different types of skills that further push you toward whatever work you want to move forward with. But one thing that does not change is the sense of learning, as you said, self-awareness, learning more about yourself, as well as being aware of those around you and how to make them as as comfortable as possible as far as further interacting with them. And with that, that overall helps you as far as not only building personal as well as professional connections with other people, but those soft skills, if you will, actually help you further advance within your career. So yes, that definitely well said as far as how you put that. Yeah. And even the term soft skills, it speaks to the fact that these are still skills. Hopefully you'll have leaders who have high EQ and that have high emotional intelligence. And you'll just have that connection that you can't necessarily explain, but you'll just feel that there's that connection with them because they know how to motivate you. They know how to connect with you and maybe when you're struggling. Exactly. And I like how you use the word motivation as as well. If all else, just using those soft skills and just using emotional intelligence in itself when continuing to communicate with other individuals, that is motivation right there to further encourage you to push forward accordingly to do the best work that you can because you're building these overall authentic relationships. So I have some example scenarios here where you guys are our listeners and professionals out there could practice and improve their emotional intelligence. You might necessarily see these certain circumstances happen or occur once you're within a corporate America setting. Let's walk through each one and see what John has to say as far as strategies to build on each scenario. John, the first one, active listening during team meetings. What are some strategies that young professionals can use in this scenario to get better in emotional intelligence? Yeah, so that's a great one. So when you're active listening, you want to listen to understand, listen to comprehend, and then listen to ask further questions. Listening just to be able to respond or to rebut, that's not really active listening because you're looking for points of either points of pressure or you're looking at points of conversation. So just a couple of tools that I use with active listening is using phrases like, tell me more about that. Help me get a better understanding of whatever it is. And if it's something that, that I don't, that it's not landing with me or I don't get it, I'll often say, can you tell me that in a different way? Because I didn't quite get what you're saying. 
The other thing, and technology is really great with this now, that can help with active listening is using technology to record and document conversations and meetings. So just recently, I went to a couple of large trade shows and going to some of the breakout sessions, like I really wanted to listen to what people were saying. And I know that my skill is not multitasking. So I can't listen and take notes at the same time. So I had to record the sessions on my phone and then I would put them through and there's a number of different tools to put the file through to get it transcribed and then use AI to, to summarize those. But in, in your meetings, that's another great thing to do is if you're able to record the meeting on your phone, go back to your cubicle or your desk or your office, put it into something that will transcribe it. So that way you can be fully present in the meeting and not worry about having to take notes while you're trying to hear, while you're trying to figure out how to execute on whatever's being talked about in the meeting, but just taking that extra step. And then that also allows you to go back and ask more targeted and specific follow-up questions. Really quickly tie in emotional intelligence to that. How you work best is often not always matched in the workplace. For example, like I have really strong introversion preferences. So if I'm in a meeting then there's a pretty good chance that I'm not going to be raising my hand and asking a whole lot of questions because I want to take in the information. I want to process it. I want to figure out like, all right, so what's that mean for me? Like, how do I now apply this? So in a meeting, I may not have those questions that are able to be answered in that setting because the meeting may be done. And then I'm after it, I'm like, oh, that's a question I should have asked. So from an emotional intelligence standpoint, knowing that about myself, I know that I need additional tools to make sure that I'm able to get what I need. And so that process that I just described to you is super helpful for me because then I'm allowed to understand like what I need to learn and what I may want to circle back and find out more information on. But if I was, if I didn't have a layer of emotional intelligence to understand like why that was, I could get frustrated by myself or at myself where I could feel like, I'm missing things, or I could feel like you're holding the meeting and you don't care if I have questions, you're just speeding along, and then I could get disgruntled or disengaged. So again, that's where that self-awareness is really important. Like I have to know what works for me, and then how do I need to calibrate in order to make sure that I get my needs met? Right, exactly, exactly. Knowing if you're an introvert or extrovert, using those skills accordingly, figuring out where you're best suited at as far as learning and moving forward from there. Also to how you mentioned earlier, rephrasing things that definitely keeps me focused on what exactly is happening within the meetings, because I'm further encouraging myself, pushing myself forward to be like, okay, so I need to figure out what's going on in this this meeting. The best way to stay focused (laughs) is to uh, ask follow-up questions to show them that not only am I listening to them, but I'm also paying attention for myself and I'm also keeping myself accountable. When you ask a question, you need to be as specific as possible to show them that you're listening and that you're also taking in the material. And please, please don't be that person in a meeting that has just asked a question for the sake of asking a question. Don't be that person. Yes. All right, John. So our next point here, workplace conflicts and arguments. What are some strategies that young professionals can use in this scenario pertaining to emotional intelligence? Here's where emotional intelligence helped me evolve. Conflict is an important part of the 
decision-making process, conflict is an important part of getting to the best solution. Conflict is a process of getting the best of ideas from differing perspectives. Confrontation is I have to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. When we move conflict from a conversation to confrontation, then the likelihood is we're not going to get good outcomes. So having a mindset and having an approach of as I enter into, into as I enter into something that may be conflict, I'm not going to like what I hear, but it's not personal. That's someone's perspective that they're sharing. That helps it become a conversation. And then I make sure that I don't make things personal, that I keep things focused on my perspectives and sharing things that I see, things that I suggest, right? So when we do have those situations where maybe it does move from a conversation to confrontation because it happens, we're people, we're human, but when it does go to that place, then emotional intelligence helps you to realize, okay, we're not at a place where we are going to be able to come to a resolution as we continue to have this dynamic that's happening right now. So what I'd like to do is I would like to take a step back saying something like, I want to take a step back. I want to listen to try to understand your perspective because there may be things that I'm missing, right? Even if you don't necessarily feel that that's the case, taking that, just that, that reset and saying, let me step back and let me listen because I want to make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying. And then going back and saying, okay, so here's what I heard. And this is what, this is my interpretation of it. I want, I want to restate it. So that way, if I'm missing something, then we can talk about that. And I would like to do the same. Those are ways that you can diffuse those types of arguments that happen in the workplace. Exactly. I can think of a number or a couple of times off the top of my head as far as like different types of scenarios or conversations where that would happen. Like in addition to podcasting, I'm in animation and design and what have you, corporate communications, if you will. And so there have been plenty of times previously where there would be like a certain type of email or design that I would be working with as far as other different types of departments or teams and what have you. And there would be plenty of times with that where there would be like one person would say things like, oh man, I really want to go with this idea. And my team and I would be like, oh, well, let's rephrase as far as what exactly you want to go into. Because we knew in the back of our minds, like that, that idea is not going to be the best. It may be picked up a little bit <laughs> differently with other colleagues that are internal accordingly. Just asking them, oh, can you rephrase what exactly you want to see within this email, what the main purpose of the email is? And another thing too is the question of why exactly do you want this email to have a 10-page essay? Of course, rephrased accordingly. Don't say, oh, why do you want this to be um, 10 pages, <laughs> right. a 10-page email? And th that example that you were just sharing, right? So immediately what came to mind is if I were in your seat, I would say something along the lines of, from my experience and how the, this seems to be trending right now, it's likely going to be about 10 pages in 
kind of an essay narrative form. Is that your intent? Is that the experience that you want the recipient to have? And just leave it at that. Asking them, is that the intent? Is that the experience? Like that, there's no judgment there. You're literally putting it back onto them to say, I don't want it to be 10 pages, but I want to convey X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. Here's some feedback that I, from from my perspective, here's some feedback that I would want you to consider on how we can achieve that. So you're still achieving the goal of saying, this is ridiculously way too long. Nobody's going to want to read all of this, but you're not saying it to them in a way that they're going to be offended or they, they feel judged. Our next scenario that we have on the list here, John, is building relationships with colleagues. Any tips or advice in regard to that when it comes to emotional intelligence within the workforce? Emotional intelligence relationships really go hand in hand. That's, again, starting with understanding yourself, understanding how you're perceived, how you come across. And then by starting to like understand where people are driven, are they more outgoing? Are they more reserved? Are they more task-focused? Are they more people-focused? You can start to see those things. You can start to see those patterns in people. And then that's how you build relationships with them. One of the things that I talk about is trust. And trust is the most important thing in any relationship. People build trust one of two ways. They either build trust through likability or credibility. Do I like you? Do I want to have a relationship with you? Do I want to learn more about you? Do I want to let you in on an emotional level? Or do I need to see evidence of your work over time before I start to let my guard down? You can see where someone builds trust if you're looking for it. You can see, are they trying to build a relationship with you? Are they trying to ask you about you as a person? Are they willing to share about themselves as a person? Or do they really want to like just get to the task, get to the bottom line? So like by understanding which way that is, then that means that's the the, the lane that you need to pick. So if you're someone who seems to build trust more based on credibility, it's on me to show you that I'm reliable. It's on me to show you that you can count on me. It's on me to show you that I know what I'm talking about. When I can do that consistently, then you're more likely to want to get to know me as a person and have a relationship with me. With likability, if you show me that you're interested in me as a person, you ask me about my weekend, you ask me about my personal life, you ask me about the things that are important to me, and you're sharing those things with me as well, it's important for me to reciprocate and do the same things for you because that's how you're trying to build trust with me. But if I just kind of keep going like straight down the work lane, then you're going to be like, you don't really care about me as a person. You just see me as a tool to get the job done and you're not going to build a relationship with me. And do it from a genuine place. Like it's it's a cheat code, but don't use it from a manipulative place. Yes. I love how you said that. You really can tell whether or not someone is either there to get to know you more and get to learn. Yes. Get to learn more about you versus someone who is just straight down to business. Stay tuned for part two of our episode next week. I'm Caspi Bias. Talk to you next time. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.